Well, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Isabel Garino. Uh, Isabel is a former flight attendant, Walt Disney World intern, and now the COO, there's a big gap here, uh, you know, <laughs> COO of Residential Assisted Living Academy. Uh, she, uh, she's been featured in many magazines and articles on the topic of senior housing, and most recently was given the title as one of the top influencers in senior housing. Uh, Isabel also won, uh, won uh, Aging Media's The Future Leaders of Assisted Living Award uh, in 2020, being two of 100 under 30 to make that list. Uh, Isabel also is going to have a, something a free uh, book, ebook uh, that uh, she's going to offer at the end of the day. So make sure you stay all the way to the end. Isabel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So yeah, so I was, as I was mentioning in the intro, it's kind of like a big gap. You went from Walt Disney World intern <laughs> to COO. So uh, so what's what's the path there? How what's the how did you manage that jump? Yes, I definitely had to work my way up. But what happened was actually I, you know, was a flight attendant as well in between there, right? They're all kind of smorgasbord in there. But my dad was a real estate investor for 40 years and my grandmother fell, broke her hip and needed assisted living. And so, you know, we kind of made that jump because when we were looking around for something suitable for her, we were disgusted by the options. We're like, yeah. we're not putting her in anything, you know, like no way. So then we stumbled into residential assisted living and him being the investor he was, he's like, okay, wait, I'm going to be paying five grand a month for my mom to live here, or I could own the real estate and the business and be cash flowing 10 K a month. And she could live for free. So he purchased his first one. And once I saw what he was doing, you know, I was like, Hey, tell me more what's going on. You know, I, I noticed he was happier, lighter, making more money. And he'd been in real estate a long time, but something was different. And so I kind of just was, worked my way into being like, how can I help you? How can I do this? And started as his assistant. And over the course of the next eight years, we built like seven different companies. We took the team from the two of us to over 50 employees. And uh, my dad passed last October. So now it is 100% all on me and I'm loving every second of it, but it's definitely been a journey to get here today. Yeah. So that's, that sounds great. I mean, I like that because solving problems and there's yeah. like realizing, okay, well, this is, this doesn't make sense. This is like, why is it so expensive and all that? But you obviously need something like not everybody can go and say, oh yeah, well, this is, oh, I could just buy the, the, the house and the business and then be cash flowing. So what are some of the skills you think you need in order to kind of get in that business of providing the service if this is something that you're interested in? Yeah, great question. So that is one of the four ways to get started, right? Purchasing the real estate and the business, because what we do and what we teach and train real estate investors to do is not the day to day. We're not teaching you to work in the home or anything like that. You're going to hire that staff who's going to do all of that for you. You're sitting in the owner's box. So truly owning the real estate and the business, right? So if you're purchasing an existing, mostly the staff already exists. The residents are already there. So that is one of the fastest and easiest ways to get involved. But the other ways is buying a single family home and converting it to become an RAL. So that's really knowing all the licensing and zoning in the area, 
getting those, you know, permits and, and everything that you need through the state and then fully creating and marketing that business so that you can attract the staff, attract the residents, and you're truly building something from the ground up. Three is building a custom home from the ground up, right? So some people still live in areas where land is still readily available and you can do that. And if that's, you know, if you're in Texas or Kansas City, it's like, that's great. You can definitely do a custom home from the ground up. And fourth is leasing a home to do this. So many of your listeners, they really might want to be more passive. So they could purchase a home, renovate it, get it licensed, and then lease it to an operator who's going to run the business. And that way they're just passively cash flowing on the real estate. So there's kind of four different ways you could get involved. I think we're going to start with number four and then kind of like work our way to the most difficult one where you actually own the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so for so how do I uh, and I've I looked at that in the past too. I said like, well, how do I? I, I have a residential home. I, I you know I have many in my portfolio. I want to make that into a residential assisted living. Mm-hmm. What 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 do I do? Like how, how do I find that uh, that person or that business that's going to operate? Uh, that's going to have the staff that they need. They know all the regulations. They're going to tell me how to to make to. Uh, renovate the house so that it meets their standards. So how do I, how do I do that? For the most part, if you're going to just be on the real estate side, you're making the home and you're, you're creating the home kind of how you want or need it to be. The state will give you minimum requirements and their minimum to say the least. I mean, they'll say like 80 to hundred square feet per person. That's insane. That is Mm -hmm. way too small. So Mm -hmm. we tell our students 300 to 500 square feet per person is a lot more comfortable. Most seniors are going to want private bedrooms and private bathrooms. So you're in Florida, right? I believe you're allowed to have 12 residents in a home in most counties in Florida. So this is not a three bedroom, two bath. This is a large home in a nice part of town. You know, I would definitely, our students in Florida have anywhere from 10 to 12 bedrooms in the home. So these are big properties, typically single level. If it is multi-level, that's okay. You just have to add a chairlift or an elevator. Um, So different things like that. Like you're going to want to make sure the rules for renovation, you're going to match what the state says, but we're always going to encourage you to exceed it. Um, Make sure it's, it's nice and luxurious. And then as many, you know, private privates as you can getting it licensed through the state is really a matter of paperwork and then getting like the fire marshal to come over to say, approve, 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 or fix this, fix that. So that now you have home and it's ready to go. Obviously, if you, the sooner you can find an operator, the better, because if they are with you through that journey to tell you, I love X, Y, Z, you might be willing to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So you can either find them throughout the process and work with them on it or find them after and say, here's what I've got. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm renting it out to you, take it or leave it. Because a lot of people who do want to get into this business, they don't have the money piece. They don't have that component, but they have the heart. So they're willing to lease from you for sometimes twice the fair market rent mm-hmm. yeah. because you've done that hard work, that labor to get it up and running. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so where, where should I buy the house? So I, I would prefer actually to, to work with, um, you know, with someone, the operator already, and kind of know what they want, what they're looking for and all of that, yeah. and then get their specs. And then I can then buy a home. So maybe I don't have a house in the portfolio that's in the right neighborhood or, you know, and so I would need to get kind of these criteria. So what are the typical 
you know, so you mentioned like single, uh, single level. I think that level. makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think, you know, somewhere to, and also kind of like, what's the, uh, the break even point you mentioned, like 12 residents or yeah. as many residents as you can, you know, 300 square foot or 500 square foot per resident. Yeah. Um, but what else do, what kind of other neighborhoods do you need uh, or characteristics of the neighbor, neighborhood do you need for, uh, to make it a successful assisted living? So for sure, you're going to be looking for demographics. That's mm -hmm. going to be your key determining factor, whether the home is going to work there or not. When I say demographics, we're not looking for the 85-year-old who's living in the home. We're looking for what we call daughter duty. So that's the adult child who's paying for mom or dad to live in the home. Uh -huh. She wants mom or dad five to 10 minutes down the road from her. You know, like she does not want to drive 40 minutes down the road. She yeah. wants it close and she wants it uh, at her scale. So yeah. an upper middle class, 50 to 70 year old, who's a homeowner. When you do a quick demographic search, you'll be able to kind of find the pockets where that is the heavy population. And then that's where you want the home. Then because you write a circle around Write a circle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's exactly where you want the home because they're going to... If they're upper middle class, if they're a homeowner, those are things that are going to indicate to you that they're probably doing better. Mm -hmm. So if the national average for assisted living is $4,500 a month, when someone is making below minimum, you know, below average income, they're going to be, wow, $4,500, how am I going to afford that? They're going to be looking for government pay options or cheaper options. So we don't want the home in an area with them. When someone's making more money, then they're like, I need to give my mom the best yeah. 4,500. No, no, no. I want to pay six. I want to pay seven because they want, they, they understand money equals sometimes quality care. Yeah. And they're like, I'm willing to pay more for that. You know? So mm -hmm. you want to make sure you're near them. Demographics is like key. And then yeah. yes, what you're saying about the physical property, single levels preferred, you can do multi, but you know, it's, it's yeah. easier that way. I would also say, try to avoid HOA neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. They can't tell you no because of the Federal Fair Housing Act, which is a federal law that trumps any city, state, angry neighbor or HOA, yeah. right? Because it's discriminatory against disabled persons. And yeah. if you need assisted living, you are disabled at that point, right? Like you yeah. need help getting up, walking, bathing, all those things. But it doesn't mean the HOA is not going to try to fight yeah. you to the nail. So yeah. avoid if possible, do the neighborhood right next door that doesn't have an HOA. Mm. If you, if you're forced, some, some, you know, cities are like that. where like, everyone has one, no matter what you got to do what you got to do. And you just have yeah. to be prepared for that. Okay. Okay. And then, so how do I find the operator like that is willing to work with me on that? So there's, it's not like, unfortunately, it's not like there's like a database of people that yeah, you can yeah, yeah. be like, well, let's, let's partner up. But I always do encourage people that in our trainings and especially in our national conventions that we host, um, both of those places, our national convention has like 800 attendees and our training has like 150 attendees every eight weeks coming to those meeting with people in the class, or maybe even just looking in your own network to see yeah. Hey, would somebody be interested in this? You know, mm -hmm. when you talk to, especially nurses these days, yeah. you know, you don't have to be in the medical field to do this, to be an operator, right? Cause they're just owning a business. You could be anybody, yeah. but nurses, 
have been so overworked over the last couple of years. Most of them, thank you so much for all their service, you know, but most of them are miserable right now. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. And if you gave them an opportunity and showed them, maybe you have a nurse or a doctor friend in your life who's just like, I'm sick of insurance. I'm sick of the hospitals. This is crazy. Uh, but I'm, I'm in it because most of them have the biggest hearts in the world and they got yeah. in for their heart. They're like, I want to care for people. I want to yeah. make a difference. I want to make an impact. This is an opportunity to make a mega impact yeah. with cash flow, you know, yeah. and actually be able to, I love the name of your podcast, be able to get out of the rat race, live yeah. that dream of being more passive and hands-off, even that operator, you know, they don't have to be in the home all the time. That's so right, yeah. it's a good opportunity for them too. So maybe there's someone in your network. If not, I would encourage, you know, anybody to come to the class and just network and see yeah. who might be there, who might be a good match for them. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and it sounds like you can be in there like at different levels. So I could just be there like and provide the house to a business and yep. they just lease lease the property. And that, yep. that's the end of our relationship. I could be partnering up at a, a different level and kind of like own the business and the real estate and mm -hmm. then say, okay, well, you know, I, I'm just the, I'm just the, uh, the manager, the administrator mm -hmm. of, of the business. And I have staff that take care of the people. I, I don't need to be there. I just do the the admin the admin work basically. Correct. And uh, but if I want to be more involved and more involved even with the uh, with the client clients and the uh, that are there, I mean I can also do that. I can be more hands on if this is something that uh, that I want to do. So different levels of uh, of involvement depending on what what you really want to do and Correct. what really interests you. Yeah. Uh, but I know that some people would find it extremely rewarding to be helping older people and, uh, you know, and, you know, spending time with them and talking to them and, uh, you know, helping them out. So, so whatever floats your boat is that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I always say that people are like, can this be passive? And I'm like, yeah, it could be as passive as you want yeah. or as active as you want. If you want, we have a, we have a student in New Jersey and he has, a gorgeous home. It is got 15 residents. It's a four story home. It's stunning. And he was a real estate investor before this. Yeah. Um, that one home is cash flowing him 40 grand a month. Wow. He quit everything he was doing. He's, he's older. He's like maybe close to 70. He quit everything he was doing. And now he literally just goes over once or twice a week and like grills for the residents. Oh my God. That's very now, nice. He's yeah. like, this is great. Like I want to yeah. go visit and I want to cook and I want his kids are out of the house. So he's like, I want someone to enjoy my cooking. And like, he's like sending me pictures and flip flops grilling, like living the dream. I'm like, good for you, man. Like yeah. you can, you can be as much or as little as you want. It's all how you set it up. You know, it's yeah. you creating your own business or just getting involved on the real estate side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking also about, I have my parents that are, uh, my father that's uh, aging and I have my, mother-in-law that's aging as well and so we're kind of thinking about okay well i would like them closer i would like all of that and then um so either i buy a bigger house or i yeah. kind of do something on the side yeah. they're not uh, so that's, this, is, this is very interesting uh the uh, so yeah so we talked about okay i just do the real estate i partner up with someone uh but obviously the piece of i want to get involved and i want to start my own business 
Yeah. Uh, to me, obviously, there's there are different levels. I think it was pretty complicated. There's a nursing home, assisted living. There is all kinds of different levels. Yeah. So, can you explain kind of like the different levels of uh, of assistance that that yeah. is provided, and kind of like the requirement at a high level? Yeah. So obviously most of us think of assisted living, we think of a big box facility, a Brookdale, a Sunrise, an Atria, right? Like those big commercial hospital looking buildings. So that's not what this is because it's residential assisted living. In residential assisted living, you can pretty much get licensed for two types of care, assisted living or memory care. So both of those two, it's not independent living, which is golden girl style, right? Where they just need minor help and they're paying you for the house plus a little landscaping or something here or there. And it's not nursing home, which is doctors, gurneys, IVs, like they need medical attention. So it's neither of those. It's right in the middle, assisted living. Most people move into assisted living because they need help with three to five activities of daily living, which is truly anything that you do from the moment you get up out of bed till you go to bed, including Mm. bathing, you know, toileting, eating, brushing your hair and teeth, taking medication, getting up, walking around, they need help with three to five of those typically by the time they move in memory care is a higher level of license. And in our training, we do go through memory care as well, because we always say like, if you're going to deal with it, you might as well get paid for it. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a a, something going, hello, I forgot where my keys were yesterday. We all have some form of memory care issue going on. It's just, it's going to possibly progress more for some seniors as they get older. Um, So the memory care license is a little bit higher. The requirements on the home are a little different, meaning different locks, you know, like different situations, like they have to have like a door that blocks the kitchen, like different things like that, that you don't have to have an assisted living, but in memory care, it is about an additional 500 to $1,500 more per resident per month because the licensing level is higher. The caregiver's level is higher. They're paid yeah. more, you know, so you can make more doing those types of homes. Um, and I will say this, typically, and not always, but typically memory care residents are physically more with it than mm-hmm. um, in assisted living. In assisted living, they're physically not there, but mentally you might be having the best conversation about, you know, their past life yeah, and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's just very different because the, you know, ambulance is called less. You're, you're, there's way less trip hazard and fall because usually physically they're fine. It's just mentally, they're not there with you. It does. If you can tell when you walk into a memory care home versus an assisted living home, there's just a physical difference usually between the residents. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so, all right. So then obviously there's a process I filed for the, the licensing for assisted living or memory care. Um, so what, what are the requirements there for me? Like I don't have any, any medical background or anything like that. And yeah. so what, what's the requirement there? So through the state, every state has basically your application for licensing. It's not necessarily about you because the physical home is what you're licensing. So Mm -hmm. they're coming over to check that it's senior safe. It doesn't have to be ADA compliant, but you're going to want as close to ADA compliant as possible, right? Yeah, yeah. Just for your protection and safety and the senior's protection safety, like 
if they're not going to say you have to have ramps and guardrails and this and that, but I'm going to tell you, go do that because why would you set yourself up for something bad to happen? You know? Um, so the physical home, they're going to come over and basically check it, right? The fire marshal will come in when you have a certain amount of residents in, in certain States, they'll say you need fire suppression. So sprinklers or something like that, which is fine to me. Again, it's like the elevator. It's a one-time fee. You put it in, you make it happen. If you have to have it, you have to have it. Um, so the ramps, guardrails, fire suppression, senior safety everywhere, like smooth floors. I don't want carpeted floors or a bunch of changing levels. Yeah. You know, the, the less stairs, even like my personal home has a bunch of areas where there's like just three stairs, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like a full flight, but yeah. this would be a terrible home for seniors, you know, yeah. constantly having to help them up and down. Um, private bedrooms and bathrooms are better. They will be doing like square, square footage in the bedrooms. Like I was saying that 80 to to hundred square feet, there's a requirement on bathrooms. Typically it's two bathrooms within the whole home. Oh, again, I'm like, exactly. Like like they don't care. It's so bad. So we're, we, most seniors want their own private bathroom and the daughter wants that too, because she's like, mom needs to you know, toilet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. it has to be hers. So the more you can have the better, but also everyone who's living in the home, they're paying different rates. It's like a Las Vegas hotel. You're staying in the penthouse versus the two queen beds on the first floor. Yeah. You're getting different experience. You're de- getting different yeah. amenities. So the person who's in the master with their own massive bathroom might be paying a certain amount versus someone who's in a shared room or has yeah. a shared bathroom, right? They're all yeah. living in the same home, but different rates coming in. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. So, all right, then after that, I need I need staff, like I need people yeah. to to run this thing. I've not, I, you know, at the beginning, I guess I don't, I don't want to be involved. I just want to be very passive. And um, so how do I find the staff? How do I hire? And what's the first, who's the first person that I hire? Oh, I love that. Definitely your licensed administrator is going to be your first hire. I kind of will simultaneously call them your manager because in real estate world, they're kind of like your project manager, right? Yeah, okay. They oversee basically everything from the hiring and firing, the marketing and touring the property. So when families come, like they're the ones giving the tour, any other independent contractors, they're the ones saying, when they're coming, when they're going, whether that's a landscaper, a chef, an activities person, right? They really run everything. Um, So they kind of are your main key player. And that's the first person I would always hire. Even I, sometimes I don't mind hiring them before the work is done. Yeah. To me, it sounds like this is kind of like what I would want to do. I would want to hire that person, that licensed administrator to say, okay, well, you're going to be the licensed administrator. Find, find a house, you know, get, get the, tell the, the contract, work with this contractor, figure out the specs, uh, do the paperwork and all that. Is that, is that possible? They're not more than likely. They're not going to be experienced on the real estate side. Okay. They're going to, they're experienced on the medical side. Oh, okay, okay, so okay. They know what to look for in the caregivers and managers. They know oh, when the family okay. comes in to talk with them about what they're, so th- that's why I say they're kind of the project manager because yeah. they're overseeing the pro like the property in the home, but they yeah. more than likely aren't going to have real estate experience. It's more okay. of, um, and so you can find them. I know you're asking how you find them literally on job websites, indeed, yeah. 
anything like that. So we license be, assisted living administrator. Administrator, correct. Okay. okay. Yep. And they're licensed through the state. I always like to find someone who has some experience. Most yeah. uh, administrators can oversee anywhere from two to four homes. So yeah. one home isn't full time for them. Yeah. So um, like all, my, my gal right now, she oversees all three of our properties. I have one phone call with her a week and I visit the home every other month. So I've built it very hands-off where it's like, yeah. if you need me, but I trust you, you're yeah. the licensed one, you know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's incredible. So I'm, I'm really blessed in, in that regard. Of course, in the beginning, it was more work to make sure yeah. we were a good fit and we're, we have the same alignment. And then now that I trust her, it's like as hands-off as I can be, I want to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they really are kind of that main key staff member for you. Mm-hmm. Your caregivers are next. That's who is doing the direct care for the residents. Again, you can find them on job websites anywhere. Yeah. Um, you can also find caregivers who are working in big box facilities right now and are super overworked and underpaid. Yeah. And if you're willing to pay them two more dollars an hour and over there they have a 15 to one you know caregiver to resident ratio they will be thrilled to come to your home where it's four to one or max five to one right they're going to be like you're paying me more i'm hanging out in a luxury home all day long and i only have to care for five people at a time oh i'm coming so (laughs) finding people who are not that I'm not that I'm encouraging us to steal, you know, employees from anyone, but there's a lot of people. But who we work. are. But we are. <laughs> <laughs> but if they're unhappy, I mean, oh, yeah. you're providing a yeah. better option. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I always say that it's kind of like a three-legged stool. The business is important. The money is important. The residents are important. You've got to have them, or the, it yeah. doesn't work. But the staff is equally as important. All three of those things. You need them all to be working happy together because Mm -hmm. if they're not, it's a three-legged stool. Kick one out if topples over, right? It's got to be that perfect trifecta of everybody working in alignment and everybody being happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's getting me, uh, yeah, thinking about uh, kind of like what what I want to do with that. But uh, (laughs) so this is great information. So I really like that. So what's the state? Is it is uh, I already probably think. I probably have a good idea what the answer is going to be. What's the state of that, uh, of the market for nursing uh, assisted living homes? So on one hand, I want to address two things, right? So don't let me forget COVID. Okay. On one hand, because the uh, right now, the silent generation lives in assisted living. It's not the baby boomers yet, right? Baby boomers are 20 years out from needing assisted living. It's their parents who are in it. There's only 47 million in the silent generation. There's yeah. 76 million babies. Yes. Wow. And we are currently 1.3 million beds short. So we're wow. about to double the amount of need and we're already short. It's going to be a massive crisis, right? We call it the silver tsunami. Like yeah. they're coming and they're going to need help. And the options that are available are not good. Like we yeah. have to do something to do better, to be better. Um, or these seniors. So to me, massive need in every single state. I know you're in Florida. I'm in Arizona where people say, oh, but you have seniors like, oh, come on. All the old people live there, right? Hello. If you grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, your whole life, do you think you're going to magically move to Florida when you turn 90? No, you're going to stay where, where you're from, where you've been, what you know. So 
people age everywhere. You yeah. move to Florida or Arizona when you're 65. You don't move yeah. when you're 85, you know? That's right. Yeah. So also considering it's about daughter Judy, where she That's what I was about to say. See, I learned my lesson. I said, where's the daughter? Yeah. Where is the daughter? So yeah. he's the one who's going to say, no, I want mom or dad here. You know what yeah, I mean? That's, that's right. when the senior might move to be near the daughter. Um, on the other hand, COVID, I want to address this because yes. so, you know, during COVID, there was such a bad rep for senior housing. And, you know, people were like, it, it was just bad. Mm-hmm. It got very bad in big box facilities because of the coming and going of yeah. caregivers and staff within those homes. Yeah. You know, and the density, right? The density. density of, there's, yeah. there's so many people, and once it's in there, it spreads quick and it's hard to stop. Yeah. When you have a home that has six upwards of 16, 16 is the max you're allowed to have in, in most states, yeah. six to 16 seniors in a home, and it's the same caregivers coming every single day to care for them. We surveyed our students, thousands of homes across the country, less than 2% of our homes even got COVID, even got COVID because it was so much easier to control. We know who's coming and going. It's like, it it wasn't just all this chaos of everything going on. It was easy to quarantine, you know, one person or whatever, if something happened. Mm -hmm. But I also want to say this, locking people in their rooms and pushing food under the door to a senior who's already lonely, who's already dealing with health issues. That is wrong. That's what and, they were doing? Yes, in oh big box God. facilities. In our homes, we were like, everyone needs to get outside. We need to get sunshine. Your families want to visit, come visit. Because yeah. you need that in life. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, course, you yeah. leave a baby untouched, <laughs> it literally dies. Like we yeah. need human touch and interaction as human yeah. beings. Mm-hmm. That is the worst thing we could do for a human to upwards of a senior, they need sunlight, they need humans, they need yeah, healthy yeah, yeah. food, interaction. And we were able to continue to provide that and carry business on normally. And yeah. so for us, we saw a massive spike in the amount of people wanting to come into our homes. Yeah. We saw a big, uh, we had wait lists for the first time like ever because wow. people were so disappointed in what was happening in the big homes. They were taking their loved ones out and saying, I'm begging. Can, can they come here? You know? So not only is the massive need there, but the market is shifting. People are saying no more. Is that acceptable? We have to do something better. And this truly is, in my opinion, one of the only answers. So I'm excited about what's to come in the residential assisted living future. (laughs) (laughs) My God, I'm very excited about what's going to happen. So already, yeah, so I didn't even think about the silver tsunami and all of that. And we're already short, short of uh, of bed for uh, for the silver generation. So the silent generation, I mean. So, wow, this is, uh, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, so, okay, so that's, that's very good. And um, in terms of, so what's the sweet spot here? Like in terms of, so I know that in here I can do like up to 12, I think you mentioned like up to 12 uh, residents in the home. And about I need about 300 to 500 square feet. So I, I kind of have some good parameter. I have to start finding daughters where the 55-year-old daughter's living. Yeah. Draw a circle around it. So I know kind of like uh, what to look at. So that, that's pretty good. But what, what's the sweet spot in terms of the business and in terms of, I don't want to be uh, cold, but what's the so that maximize my return? And the yeah. end, it comes down to my return. So what's, what's the sweet spot there? Yeah. Um, so 
whatever the national or uh, we, we know the national average is 4,500. So your area and anyone listening, you can find the average in your area by, can I say a website name? It's not yes, mine. Yeah, it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Genworth.com. So G E N worth.com forward slash cost of care. Okay. When you go to that website, you can type in your area code or wherever you want to invest. And it's going to show you um, the Nash or the average in your area of assisted living. Okay. So 4,500 is the national average, but in Salinas, California, 7,100 is the national is the average, right? So it totally ranges depending on where you are. Wow. So once you know, Salinas, your- Salinas, California, the, the real estate there is uh, super cheap, cheap. I know. I don't know why. I don't wow. know why, but wow. that's, that's what I'm saying is you have to determine what it is and then calling you can even find out by just doing quick research on the homes but that site is gathering all the big and small homes putting them together and say this is the average of the area okay whatever the average is if you're going to charge below average in your homes you're going to get below average people right that number isn't pulled from air it's based on what everyone's charging so our sweet spot what we like to encourage our students to do is between that number and above, right? The level three, level four, not the tippy tippy top. So think of like a, you know, a triangle. If we'll we'll go with national average to make it easy. If $4,500 is our break, even a level one, two is below average. So anything where you're charging less than 4,500, the sweet spot would probably be between 4,500 and I would say 8,000 a month. So anywhere there is your sweet spot. When you're going to charge above 8,000, maybe eight to 10,000. Now you're getting into level five, like the tippy top, because there's only so many people who can afford that. And I have students who they charge that and they're doing great, but they are located in like the Uber luxury areas, you know? So it's happening. It's just the location is going to be extra, extra key for a level five, a level three, four is your sweet spot. So between that 4,500 to 8,000 or whatever that translates to in your area is going to be good. So especially depending on what you're going to be offering, if all the other homes don't have a chef, but you do, okay, that's an extra 500 or thousand per resident per month, you know, and, and like we were saying, if it's private bedrooms, private bathrooms versus shared, so we got to find out what's happening in the area. Is everyone offering shared bedrooms and you're going to be the only private privates? You can charge more. Okay. So there's a lot of different amenities and features that kind of can make that price go up. Mm-hmm. And I know you were saying like the residents, what's your yeah. break even point? Yeah. How many, how, like how many residents should I go for? Should I go for like 12? It's always the maximum is always better or is this something less? I do advise always going for the maximum because for you as the owner, it's the same amount of work to have four residents than have 16. It's okay. for you. It's just a real estate and a business. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's the caregivers and the manager who it's different for them based on the amount of residents, but not for you. So if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. Um, I would say whatever the maximum is, go for it. Every state ranges between six and 16. And then like we were saying, your county may vary somewhere in between. They might say Florida might say 12, but Miami might say eight, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's fine. We'll do eight or C, do other homes have more? And what did they do to get more? Because it might just be applying for a variance. 
you oh, know, okay, and, okay. and just getting yeah. that approved through the state because you do have the square footage or the sprinklers or whatever that little thing is that they wanted or needed. So okay. um, finding out that number in your area, it should be always on like your state DHS website, but some of the states make it so hard to dig around and find. So that is yeah. something to provide to our students in our training, just all the state by state information because it can be challenging. Um, but the break even point, honestly, I would say don't go it. No state allows less than five. I mean, unless you're going unlicensed, but I would say five residents is kind of your break even point financially. Once you're above five, it's better. So in areas where you're allowed to have six residents, that's where it's tricky because you're not going to be a hundred percent full at all times. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. you have to bake in for some vacancy. Yeah. So that's where what's it gets the, what's, the, what's the typical vacancy that we can uh, we can expect in assisted living? In the in the beginning, I would say like you you want to plan to ramp up like two the first month, maybe four over the next month, maybe six, and then eight, and then ten. Like you don't want to do a business plan where you're like, "Woo, we're yeah, going to yeah. be full right away." <laughs> no one's going to want to invest with you. It's not true. It's just yeah. not going to happen. You want to do bunny hills, but I would say there. What's really interesting is certain times of year you will have wait lists other times of year you'll have three empty beds it just flows the way it does you you can't control it when especially after the holidays you will see some residents pass on and i think it's because mentally it's kind of like a let's get through the holidays let's be there for people and then once they get that release it's like okay I can go, you know, Um, so you'll usually see a dip after the holidays, but you'll see an increase before or during the holidays because people go visit their loved ones and see moldy food, you know, medication not taken, you know, stuff happening in the house. And they say, mom, you need assisted living. What are you doing? And so you see a, a spike and then you see a decrease. And so it's really interesting to kind of watch that. Um, the key is you have to always be marketing, even when you're full, you okay. know, there's an entire industry of people called placement agents who basically talk to the daughter Judy's and say, what's your budget? What's the location? What is your need? And then they pass out business cards and send people to your home and you pay them if they're a lead for you, if they're a referral yeah. from that person. I love working with placement agents because I'll pay for the lead, especially on average, someone lives in assisted living for three and a half years. So paying one month's rent, I'll do that. I don't care. You know, no problem. Um, But I will say once you do that, you know, okay, now you, the placement agents, it's kind of like God, you don't want to pray just when you're in need, (laughs) right? You want to, you want to pray all the time. You want to say, thank you, God, for my blessings when things are good. And thank you, God, for my blessings when things are bad. Right. You, that's like a placement agent. You don't just want to call them and say, oh my God, I have three vacant beds. Help me, help me, help me. Yeah, yeah. You want to call them even when you're full and say, Hey, thanks so much for placing grandma Joe in the home. She's doing incredible. We're full right now, but I just wanted to check in on you. How are you doing and build that relationship so that when another person comes, they're like, hey, I'm happy to send them over here. Yeah. You know, my, my other people had great experience, whatever the case is. Is it, would it make sense to call them even when you, you're just getting started like me and then say, okay, well, where do you need beds? Genius. And then, okay. 
Yes. Right on the money. That's exactly what we did for our second home. We called all the placement agents and said, where is the number one place where people are pointing to the map and saying, I want a home there. And they literally showed us the spot. We got a home there. That home is full almost all the time. It's like a bed opens. It it gets. Oh, wow. So a hundred percent. That is a great person to talk to. It's about relationships. You've got to build those relationships and also incorporating them in that saying, yeah. where should you put it? Once you buy the home, they're saying, do you want to come over and see the home I'm doing? Oh yeah, yeah. Like they'll, they'll feel a part of it. So when you yeah. have the open house, they're like, this is my house too. You know, yeah. now they want to send more people to you, yeah. whatever the case is. Yeah. Definitely. And if they've seen it, they know kind of like, yeah. So that, that gives them a better feel than, oh yes, I'll send you some pictures or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. What is the average uh, length of stay per, per resident? Three and a half years is okay. the average amount. Yeah. Okay. So okay. pretty, pretty decent. I will say this, the, the more they pay, the longer they stay. Oh yeah. What I mean is when someone is tight on money, they wait until the absolute last second to move their loved one in. Oh, okay. And so typically they, they pass much sooner because yeah. You know, they're close to the end anyways, but yeah. when you're paying, if the, if the average in your area is 4,500, but you're paying $8,000 for your loved one, money isn't an issue for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you probably move them in way sooner because you just saw one or two things that made you go, oh, you can't live alone. Like let's, let's get you yeah. in there. And now you're staying way longer. So it's strange because people don't realize that, but it's very true. There's much higher turnover in the government funded homes or the homes that charge below average rates. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good. So uh, Isabel, this is a fantastic discussion. So thank you. Obviously you are a fountain of knowledge. And uh, <laughs> so that was very good. And so tell us about kind of how people can, um, can reach out to you and talk about your, your academy. You mentioned that you have uh, students that are, uh, that you're, you're helping and stuff like that. So tell us more about all of that and how people can get a hold of you. Yeah. So we, um, at the residential assisted living Academy, we have trainings every like six to eight weeks. They're in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and they're really great. It's the educational, you know, steps to get you started, no matter how you want to get involved passively or actively, we're kind of going through all those key components so that you can decide what's right for you and make those moves from there. But I definitely want to give all of your listeners a chance to learn more or grab the free book we talked about in the beginning. So ral101.com. There's free book, free webinar, free phone call. So if you want to talk to me or anyone on our team, go to ral101.com. And for those of you who want to come to the class, I'd love to see you there. You can find out more information there as well. So thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. You had great questions, actually. Uh, Great. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So saying thank you, Isabel. So obviously, a lot of these, uh, what the the links that you mentioned, I'm going to put in the show notes so that people can go and refer to them. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing all that information. Uh, that was very interesting. And I think I'm going to, I want to get off this, uh, this podcast. So I can call a placement agent, find out where I can buy a house. There in you Miami. go. <laughs> so, I love it. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.